Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. This season we're doing things a little bit differently. All the episodes in this season are positive birth stories. When you're pregnant, it's so important to surround yourself with positive representations of birth. So I thought it would be nice to record a whole season of positive birth stories for pregnant people to listen to. So enjoy, relax, and I hope you like them. Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. Today I'm talking to Morgan about her positive birth story. Hi Morgan. Hi, thank you for um, inviting me here today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited to hear your, your birth story. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Um, so I'm married to my husband James and I've got two girls who um, are five years old and the youngest one is just about to turn one this weekend. So we're well and truly got a lockdown baby. Yeah, a real lockdown baby. Oh, amazing. That's exciting. Has, how, has it gone quite quickly the past year? It has, yeah. I was saying to a friend the other day, like, what did we do when we had all these other events in our lives? You know, family events, play dates, parties, after school things. Like, mm-hmm. how did we cope? Because we haven't got enough time now, have we? I just don't no. know where time's going. Um, oh, so no. yeah, it, it, has, it has flown. Yeah, um, I've got to admit at the beginning of all of it, it was kind of like, oh no, like, what is ahead of us? What are we going to do with ourselves? And as I'm sure every family has just thought, how are we going to entertain our children? Mm. But um, yeah, we've we've all done it. We've all survived, and um, yeah, we've we've done it. Um, gone through the homeschooling, the whole lot, as most parents have. Yeah, I've yeah. got I've got to admit, I've got to admit that I I actually. I used to I used to kind of dread school holidays like half term and Easter and think oh god like how am I going to keep yeah how am I going to keep them entertained I'm quite looking forward to Easter break now and having them at home because I'm kind of missing them while they're at school I think not having to knowing that I'm not knowing that they're going to be at home and I'm not going to have to homeschool is like huge difference for me I'm like I'm happy to have them at home as long as they're not as long as I'm not as long as I'm not having to do the, the homeschooling I'm happy to have them at home and do stuff with them and just have them run right around the house and my my, my cleanliness standards in my house have like plummeted over lockdown <coughs> I just realized that three kids can't keep the house tidy <laughs> oh, no yeah I know what you mean about holidays like yeah we've been through homeschooling so so often that that was abnormal but now it'd just be nice to go back to them being a child playing just mucking around having family cuddles and not having to stress about getting the homeschooling done having all tantrums that go with it and yeah yeah it does sound like bliss but we'll probably regret that probably about 24 hours into half term so (laughs) we'll see when they're like can we get the paint out mummy no oh I know I dread that one as well I'm glad it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> all, all their Play-Doh um, magically disappeared as well because it was just getting trodden into the carpet and I was like, I can't be dealing with this. <laughs> I've replaced it with plasticine instead because it's not quite as messy as Play-Doh. I, sound like I haven't done that. That's a, good, that's a good tip. No, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> Play-Doh was about six different colours and it's merged into one and it's this one murky, mucky kind of colour. It does not look good. Oh, it like I hate it when they mix the photo. I'm like, stop mixing the colours. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? Just let them be free to create. 
So do you want to um, tell me about your, your positive birth? I'm really excited to hear all about this. Yeah, so I, so lockdown one, um, in week one, I gave birth to my youngest, Sophia, and she was my hypnobirthing um, baby. Um, so with my eldest, who's now five, I hadn't heard of hypnobirthing. Um, and it wasn't until after her birth that I became aware of what hypnobirthing was. And with her birth, to try and cut it short, is she was born prematurely by nine weeks. Okay. So it was quite a traumatic birth, just in that whole shock. Um, not me... I wasn't really informed. I had no antenatal education whatsoever. In fact, we were one week off attending anything. Mm. Um, and so when I was telling the nurses how I was feeling in those moments before she was born, in those hours before she was born, they weren't really listening to me. They mm. just didn't seem to take my voice as valid. Um, I didn't really register at the time. That's something looking back as I've processed. And um, as it transpired, because of them not listening to me and them sort of being a bit blasé really as to what was going on with my body because I didn't understand what was going on my partner my husband, well, my then partner now my husband he ended up missing the birth but thankfully my mum was with me and um it was just all of a blur you know I gave birth to her um vaginally uh, just with gas and air but because she was born early and wasn't breathing and got taken away from me and there was no skin to skin um it was just kind of like what's just happened and after six long hard weeks she finally was stable enough to come home and that was just amazing um and so yeah so it took us four years to want another child and it wasn't um it was just all because of the prematurity and we've had lots of tests you know she kept having to go for heart and, and brain and, and eyesight tests for like probably two years and that just took it from us and we were like, no, we can't have any more children. And we slowly got out of that. And then the toddler tantrums hit and that put us back into the no camp of not wanting any more children. But in those years of us saying yes, no, and being more of the no, I came across hypnobirthing and I was reading up a bit more and I thought that sounds really good. And if we have another baby, that is definitely something I need to try because I need to know my options. Um, I need to know how to relax. Um, and in hindsight, now having learned it, yes, oh my God, that would have actually helped me in my first birth. It wouldn't have stopped her being premature, sadly, but it would have helped a huge amount for me to have not got stressed. You know, adrenaline was running um, for me to have my own voice, to know that I had a voice, which looking back, it was a huge deal. Mm. Um, I've had to sort of process that really and kind of go with all the feels of what that's meant um because I did actually have um PND and PTSD as a result of how I was how I was treated so hypnobirthing came into my life and I thought right you know I'll do it if I get pregnant and um sure enough we decided let's go for it and I was thankfully offered um cervical scans every two weeks because of my first daughter's birth so that gave us some reassurance and about 17 weeks, I was told that my cervix was really thinning to the point it was getting dangerous. So I was booked in two days later for a cerclage, uh, a cervical stitch, mm -hmm. which was interesting and spinal block. And I never had anything like that and made me feel 
I don't know, I was all kind of all over the shop with that, really. Um, that just made me feel um, positive because there was light in the tunnel. They're going to keep my baby safe as best they could. But kind of, oh, my God, I'm having to have an operation and I haven't got to the part of giving birth or anything. Um, it was kind of mixed emotions, but that gave me a 50-50 chance for keeping her viable, which was the main goal of it. And yeah, so I, once I got that in, um, kept on having these scans, which were great. And it, to be honest, I kind of got a little extra look at baby every now and then um, on top of my normal standard antenatal scans. And then about, I think it was 20, 21 weeks, I booked in for, it wasn't um, a standalone hypnobirthing course I attended personally. It was one of these that's part hypnobirthing, part just general relaxation with some antenatal education thrown in. Mm -hmm. And so my husband and I went along and we did that. And I also did from the same provider, um, her weekly like mum antenatal classes, which again was teaching the hypnobirthing breathing techniques, did some yoga and some other bits, which really helped with the relaxation. And I asked her, could we go along to this class um, earlier than all the other parents? Because I was so anxious that this stitch only had a 50-50 chance. Um, and I was never, you know, I couldn't safely say I was gonna get to full term, but that was my, my goal and my hope. Um, so we did it early on. Everyone else was there with their big bumps and there's me with a little teeny tiny bump. And it was just amazing. And I sat there and I thought, oh my God, I've birthed a baby. How do I not know about how the uterus works, you know, and the best way of the pelvis being aligned and upright and forward leaning and all those little bits. I was like, I've done it already, but I didn't know any of that. And my, my head was just like blown, like completely. Um, for my husband, he was slightly in shock of what you should be doing and, and the breathing and how you could help yourself. Not that he experienced that first time around, bless him, because he wasn't in the room. He didn't see how I dealt with the first birth. Um, but, oh, my God, yeah, it was like a light bulb moment of, OK, I did that that differently in my first birth. And I was like kind of started to replay everything, thinking, oh, my God, that should have been different. Um, and so, yeah, I just got complete armed with all these tools that I just wasn't aware of first time around. Um, and having spoken to lots of friends, lots of them are only becoming aware of hypnobirthing techniques and the, the positive aspects of it and what, it, what they can gain from it, from having their first births and they, they were never aware of it. Um, and obviously as you and I know, being teachers, um, yeah, it's, it's not out there enough, is it? No, not what at hypnobirthing all. Can, can give to a woman. Um, so yeah, it was great to do the lessons and I carried on doing the, de the weekly um, uh, sessions with the other mums, which was just so great and, re and relaxation was just incredible for me. And I, I continued that at home, did all the practice, did everything that I could do. Um, I think I also read a book as well, um, just to further my knowledge. And yeah, it, it did work you know I you know when you're pregnant and you have those nights where you just can't sleep and you can't get into a comfortable position you have that insomnia don't you mm -hmm. and I just put on my audios and that would help me and I'd do the breathing the audios and that would help me drift off to sleep so I knew that that I was gaining that knowledge slowly as the weeks ticks on mm -hmm. and um, for me personally I had to tick each day and week off as a we've got to the next milestone mm -hmm. because I couldn't 
assume I was going to get to the end. And the idea behind the stitch was that the consultant wanted to remove it at 36 weeks. But for me, I'd already had my daughter um, on delivery suite and I didn't want to give birth there again. That for me was just like a big no-no. I wanted to be on a, a midwife-led unit. So my options were to be back in the same hospital, but on the MLU unit up on the top or to be in a standalone. And for me and my, and my husband, we both didn't feel comfortable in the standalone because it's kind of 40 minute transfer to the hospital if anything was to occur. Yeah. So I said, no, let's go for um, the Spires unit, which is at JR Hospital and uh, in Oxford. And so we said that was the happy medium and I get the MLU unit. But if the consultant did take the stitch out at 36 weeks, I would be denied that because you have to be 37 weeks, don't need to be on MLU units. So I wasn't having that. But because of me, knowing all the things and knowing that I had a voice, finally, um, they would have to listen to me and give me a good enough reason. Um, I turned around and said, right, well, if I get to 36 weeks and, and baby's still good, can't I have it taken out at 37? You know, I want to be on MLU unit. Um, and I'd already done my research with having a stitch as to how soon post uh, removal would baby be born. And it could be a matter of hours or it could be days and, and some ladies still go past their um, estimated due date. There was no guarantee, but I just thought, oh my gosh, the last thing I need is for her to um, come straight afterwards and I'll be 36 weeks plus something and I get denied my midwife led unit birth that I so desperately wanted. So I asked and the registrar phoned up the consultant who I saw that last appointment and they went, yeah, fine, book you in for 37. It was easy as that. Mm. Um, you know, and everyone just thinks they can't question medical providers, you can. Um, and that's what we actively say to our clients, isn't it? You know, yeah. you can ask the whys and the whats um, and totally. Um, so yeah, I had it removed at 37 weeks and they, were give, they gave me gas and air but I felt giddy on that. I didn't feel at, at all right. I felt really quite dizzy. So I actually used my hypnobirthing um, techniques. I used my breathing and that got me through the removal and off I went. By which time we were in this socially distanced kind of world of COVID. Mm. Um, we weren't in lockdown at that point. Um, and then slowly the world changed around us. And then it was, should I be going outside? Is it safe to? Um, and it was all those unknowns that all of us, well, everyone faced, but us pregnant women at those last stages, particularly, mm. we were just thrown into this chaos of what's the right thing to do. So, um, yeah, so that was a bit of a, was a bit of a blurry time, really, from having the stitch removed, for waiting for her and, and knowing what's going on um, and the world closing down around us. Um, but as it happened, she did leave me hanging until I was 38 plus five. Um, and she was finally born. Yeah, so if I hadn't um, experienced Braxton Hicks, sadly, with my first, not having got to the full term part of pregnancy. So a few days before she was born, I was having some Braxton Hicks. And um, or also before my stitch was removed, I actually started to have a little bit of show. 
um, part of my mucus plug was was coming away. So I did have to have that checked out because in my circumstance, you know, if that meant something was amiss, then I was probably going to have to have the stitch removed. Mm. But the show just kept on slowly coming um, over the last sort of couple of weeks. And then, yeah, the Braxton Hicks sort of occurred and I was warming up and it was a sign. I was thinking, yeah, you know, we're, we're getting closer. And then, yeah, it wasn't till um, the night before, um, on the Thursday night, that I went to bed, I had some tightenings, but I just thought, you know, I've been here before with Braxton Hicks and things. It will just be that. I'm going to bed and didn't think anything of it. And then I woke up in the early hours, um, about 3, 4 a.m. And I noticed them and they were a bit stronger. And I thought, I'm not going to read anything into this. I'm just going to stay calm, um, try and get some more sleep um, and just see if anything progresses. And yeah, sure enough, I can go back to sleep. There was no chance. Um, just can get comfy. Um, and the tight the way the tightenings were across my tummy. No, not a chance. So I just laid in bed, tried to go through the motions, probably spent like another hour in bed. Um, didn't wake my husband up. There was no point. Um, plus at this time he well, he gets up for work at like half five in the morning. So there was like no point in um in waking him up. Um Although at this point he was working from home because of COVID, but he still got that whirly, perhaps did like a, a bike ride or something. So I just thought, no, he'll be up soon enough. He can know about it then. Um, I'll probably just get grumpy face if I told him any earlier than he <laughs> needed to be aware of. And um, yeah, so I just went downstairs and just thought, right, I'll get myself a drink, put some on telly and just sat on my birth ball and just, um, just went round on the birth ball, just rotated and... Um, occasionally sat on the sofa and yeah the kind of things ramped up and I just thought yeah this could be it you know it could be all go today and uh about 5 30 6 o'clock my husband woke up and um I told him and the, the look on his face was called panic stations he's like what do you do bring the midwife I was like no it's too early let me just you know relax get on with it um you know I had to get I had to get my eldest Isabella um up and ready for homeschooling and um yeah, just didn't think too much of it. But I think by it was about seven o'clock, I did ring my mum and got her to come across because she's like a 40 minute drive. So it was really important that we got her involved early on. And um, and then, yeah, it was probably about eight o'clock or so before I then rang the midwives. So I was, for this pregnancy, I was under a Lotus um, team of midwives under the head um, midwife of the, of the team. And sadly at that point when it was my turn to um, go into labour she was busy with another lady so I was given another lady on the team and um, so I kept in communication with her and then eventually we kind of got to a point of I think it was about 10 o'clock um, and I said I think I need to come in you know the way they were ramping up um, they weren't 100% in a pattern, like set pattern, but they were coming thick and fast compared to earlier. And what with a 40 minute commute, um, we needed to get going for safety. So yeah, I just got in the car and carried on listening to my audios. Um, the audios were, you know, got me through the pregnancy and now they needed to get me through the labor. And I did, I generally still now find them relaxing. Um, you know, I could listen to them now. Um, it's, they're great. Um, so I just did that and I did try to darken, I did close my eyes a little bit in the car, um, 
I think we had the radio on a little bit, but then I got annoyed with that and I just turned it off and I just had the my audios, my hypnobirthing tracks on. And for once in our lives, going to our hospital in Oxford was a dream because in non-COVID times, there, for anyone who lives in the area will know, it is an awful um, route to go um, and it is just horrific. And then trying to get into the hospital and parking is another mission. Um, but with COVID around, all of those worries just evaporated. There was none of that. It was it was amazing. We could just literally drive in, get a parking space. Um, and then when I got to the hospital, just stood outside, um, there were the gaps, I think were like one minute, two minutes apart. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not even upstairs yet. Um, but yeah, we went to the door and um, as others found out in all these COVID times that you have to, most hospitals are saying come with all your bags come upstairs with a car seat um who's with you um once that person's on the hospital they can't leave if they leave that's it they're not coming back um and so we thankfully my midwife had armed us with that before we got to the door and um, gave my name and got um escorted upstairs to the top floor of the hospital where the mlu unit is and you would have thought that we'd had all these different changes, you know, masks and hand sanitizing and temperature checks. And I know that has come in since, but back then in week one of lockdown, it was normal. It's, yeah. um, people are shocked by this, um, yeah. hearing my story, but it was normal. They asked if we felt okay, but that was it. Yeah. You know, we could have lied technically, um, not that we would have done, but um, yeah, it, we felt like a normal experience of, of birth. Um, yeah. So we just got put in the assessment unit room and um, she obviously did all the observations, midwife, um, who was absolutely lovely. And I said that I was doing hypnobirthing and she read my birth plan. And she just said, well, we'll leave you in here for a while. I think you're gonna be a little bit while um, to go before you might be ready to get into your actual birth room. I really wanted a water birth. So I'd asked for one of the pool rooms, which she said there was one available. So that was good and so yeah we just chatted and I kept on rotating on my ball um, that just got me through because if I was standing I just didn't feel comfortable for me my happy place was on the ball rotating listening to um, my audios and at this point I was still timing my contractions even though I was in hospital and my actual main midwife who had just come off um, birthing this um, other baby because she knew I was on on the wall, she did poke her head round and said, "Well, you stop timing them. There's no need to do that anymore. Just go with the flow." I was like, "Yep, yes, boss, I'll do it." <laughs> and she was right, you know. And, and now, obviously, I I say that to my clients, you know, you know, once you're in hospital, if that's where you want to give birth, you know, stop the timings and you know, make your birth environment cozy. And and that's what we did. Um, so we probably spent. I don't know probably about an hour or so in this assessment unit and then I felt things were, were getting intense so I phoned well they so buzzed for the midwife to come back and she said oh yeah I can see you've got further ahead would you feel happy I was like yeah so off we toddled down the corridor and um yep yeah, I sat back on my ball um, <laughs> she asked if I wanted a vaginal examination and uh, I did agree to just having one but I actually didn't find it unpleasant having it, but I felt really 
unpleasant just being on my back it didn't feel right for me I just wanted to be back upright again um and now looking back I think how did I birth my first daughter on my back but um yeah I just need to just get back up I need to be at least stood if even if I wasn't back on the birthing ball um and she and she did all she said was yep you're progressing really nicely um and she didn't give me a number and I that I think is a really lovely thing. She could tell I was progressing. I could tell I was progressing. I didn't need a number. Yeah. Um, because I think numbers sometimes at that point, um, if it hadn't have been a big number, that could just slow you down, couldn't it? Um, yeah. So I was quite grateful for her. I never, I never said for her to do that. It was just her way um, of being, you know, a fabulous hypnobirthing minded hip, uh, midwife. Yeah. So yeah, I carried on and she started filling the pool up and um, my waters uh, broke um, whilst I was on the birth ball. I got the intense pressure um, and I knew they were about to to go. And I'm one of those that has a massive gush. Um, That shocked my husband. He was like, oh my gosh, what's just happened? Um, And yeah, so that was everywhere. wife just about and yeah and as fast as that happened um yeah it really intense ramped ramped up every every contraction every surge to the point the midwife was getting a little bit worried that that pool was not going to be filled up in time for me to have my water birth that I so desperately wanted and I remember her saying a couple of things but they got to a certain point that she was giving my husband looks and my husband was sort of thinking oh my gosh you know is this going to happen um but thankfully yeah she did get it uh, filled up to the correct temperature just in time and I managed to go in and I was one of those women that thought I would wear just a bra or just a vest and mm. go in there but as soon as I got in there I was like oh this is coming off and I like ripped <laughs> off my top and I was just yeah naked I that's the way it ended up being that's not what I thought I would have done but it's what happened is what yeah. I needed to do in that moment mm. and yeah I was just kneeling leaning over the edge of the pool um my husband was right in front of me holding my hand um between each contraction before I was in the pool as well he was massaging me and then um I would bat him off when I didn't want him but he knew how to do the massage techniques because we've been practicing mm. and then during the pool part he was just holding my hands and just you know giving me great support and words of encouragement and behind him was this massive picture um of a poppy um so each of the birth room rooms had a different picture so i just remember this bright red poppy you know beaming at me as well which was just lovely to look at um and the blinds were like half down kind of just blocking a bit of light but still giving some daylight because by this time it was like lunchtime and yeah, so not long after I got into the pool, um, I could feel the intense, I could feel that she was, her head was there and that I needed to push. Um, I'd gone through that wobble stage. I'd gone to that point of, I'm not sure I can do this. And I got them to put gas and air on standby. Mm. Um, I seriously thought I would have had gas and air, but I didn't in the end, I managed to do, um, do it alone with just the breathing techniques and keeping calm and relaxed with my husband's support and the midwife's support I should add she was just super amazing as well 
Um, and I think she was shocked by me. Um, she did say so afterwards that she was shocked as to how calm I was during just with the standard, mm. that little transition wobble um, yeah. that every woman has. And yeah, so nine minutes past one, um, I gave birth to in the pool. And as soon as I pushed her out, they said, pick her up. So I scooped her up into my arms and they, they popped the towel around her. And it was just amazing because it's everything I didn't get with my eldest mm. um, birth. It was, you know, that skin to skin. Um, I got my husband to take a photo and you can just tell from that photo, I'm absolutely like beaming. Mm. I didn't get that photo. I've got this, with my eldest, I've got this like photo of me laid on a bed with a doctor holding this little tiny body with a hat on and tubes mm. and me just quickly touching her for one minute. That's all I had for nice. hours. So, it was just everything I could have dream, dreamed of. It was just really magical and super positive for me. I needed that after everything that I'd experienced. Um, so yeah, so, so I was given a lovely skin skin cuddles and then all of a sudden the uh, water around me turned red and a lot of blood had come out. So they were quite worried about that. Um, so they cut the cord and, and took her off me I got out of the pool and then we went back to skin to skin as soon as I was laid on the bed and they were conscious of my placenta and the umbilical cord and everything so they asked you know, did I want the injection and I said yes please for um an active managed um third stage so I did go with that so I felt that was the right thing because you know the worry and everything was going on they weren't sure what was what and little Sophia bless her as much as she was breathing she was alert everything seemed fine that she was super white and that was another worrying factor for them so they did get their pediatrician to come up and uh, observe her and check her out meanwhile um, I birthed my placenta but they were still concerned and they were thinking that was part of my placenta or, or anything in the pool or was it all intact it was all intact thankfully um, and it looks like part of the umbilical cord uh, ruptured in the pool before they then had to cut it, mm -hmm. um, leading to the blood. So sadly, she didn't get the full amount of blood that was hers. Mm -hmm. um, and the paediatrician checked her out, but they just said they wanted to go and take a load of bloods downstairs on the neonatal ward. So uh, they did wrap her up and took her downstairs. My husband went with, um, I told him to go down with her. And then they came back and they said, yeah, they were okay, but they were low okay. So we needed to stay in for a, a few hours and in four hours time, they would check again. If that was well, then we could go home that day. If not, then it would have been an overnight thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so thankfully, four hours later, she did get another round of bloods and obs done. And by this time, after lots of skin to skin, she'd pinked up, she was back to the normal baby with a load of vernix on them, mm. um, you know, cause everyone's like, oh, every baby has white on them, but it was pure white. Um, yeah. There wasn't any pinkness under the vernix at all, but she slowly became pink. Um, and we had lots of lovely skin to skin, which was just everything I didn't get first time round. Mm. Um, and being able to cuddle and pick my baby up when I want, as opposed to when a nurse tells me that I can have that. Mm. Um, it was, yeah, it was just magical. Um, the only difference I think with COVID was that my husband had to go home after two hours. 
normally he would have been allowed to have stayed yeah. with me and we would have moved into a postnatal room um that was the only difference to my whole experience I couldn't fault it at all um they were just amazing the whole um team people and the pediatricians and everyone um but he was a bit my husband was a bit in limbo land bless him because he couldn't stay um it's a 40 minute commute home he was hungry we'd, we'd gone armed with snacks but because he wasn't allowed to leave he wasn't allowed to go to the cafes or the shops on hospital grounds so he hadn't had a proper lunch and yet he was thinking oh I'll go to McDonald's or something but they were all shut weren't they because we were in yeah. lockdown by this point it was yeah. week one there was nothing open and he was like what am I going to do for like four or five hours until I'm discharged hopefully yeah so we just drove home he had no choice well bless him he just um he felt like a spare part I think after then hmm. um but he, did, he didn't come home to our eldest and my mum meanwhile I was just getting on with recovery um and having yeah lots of skin to skin and just hoping that she would pass the next round of bloods hmm. oh sounds amazing uh, it's it's it, lots of people who've had a traumatic first birth find that you know having having a more positive se um, second birth it is quite healing um, yeah definitely um and how amazing that you were informed enough it just goes to show how important it is to be informed that you could you know that just, just that one question that you made about when to have that that stitch taken out that you know that that potentially changed the whole course of your birth because yeah. if you hadn't have asked that question and they had taken it out at, at 36 weeks and you hadn't have got your midwife led unit birth you know your birth could have been an entirely different experience um yeah. so it really does show how important it is that you know your rights and that you're informed and, and you understand the, the choices that you make um but yeah, it's an amazing, amazing birth. And it sounds like you did fantastic. Um, so thank you so much for sharing it with me. You're welcome. Yeah, and now she's turning one. So here we are in another lockdown and she's about to <laughs> celebrate her first birthday, poor thing. <laughs> oh. Oh. Hopefully we'll be out of, we'll be out of lockdowns and, and COVID and back to normal soon-ish, I hope. I think we're all just a bit fed up of it now, aren't we? After a year of yeah. being stuck at home and yeah, stressing out. I'm just looking forward to the mummy groups coming back. That yeah, I know. I've dipped into. I've dipped into a few when they're allowed to open and operate, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, it's not been quite the same for all that I've attended um, because yeah. of the social distancing involved. But um, I'm hoping April onwards when they're allowed to open again. Um, it will be onwards and upwards and slowly they're allowed to relax yeah everything that's yeah been changed yeah at least um, we've got you know the rollout of the vaccine and everything's going to help massively. Yeah, probably. So, yeah the light is at the end of the tunnel we just have to just keep on focusing on it and we'll get there we will get there um no more homeschooling that'll keep us sane Oh God, yes, please, no more home. I can't deal with the homeschooling. Oh I think I, I totaled up the other day how many weeks of homeschooling I've done in the last year, and it's 22 weeks. Oh God, so much. I've done two bouts of lockdown homeschooling, and um, my eldest daughter um, a year has gone down into isolation for two positive cases as well. Oh God. So I've done a lot. Um, 
He deserves yeah. it all. I think we all deserve <laughs> we it. All do. We all do. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more gratitude to the teachers can tell you that yeah i know how they do it amazing teachers are amazing they definitely deserve an award for sure um so if anyone wants to find you online um morgan where can they find you so yeah so my hypnobirthing um company is called calm happy mama so you can find me on instagram and facebook at calm happy mama or my website is www.calmhappymama.co.uk you can find all the information of what services I offer and whereabouts in the UK are you so I'm in Brackley which is South Northamptonshire so I'm on the Oxfordshire Buckinghamshire sort of county borderlines so I sort of cover all three areas amazing thank yeah. you so much for sharing your story with me I've really enjoyed listening thank to you that. thank you for having me oh you're welcome and um yeah let's just uh look forward to the end of lockdown and uh, uh ha have a lovely amazing birthday for your for your baby oh thank you yeah we're looking forward to it it's not going to be the uh, affair that I hoped mm. but we're, we're making it special and we're going to eke it out with grandparents coming different days of next week in our garden of course yeah um and just doing our own little things yeah I've got a couple of Easter themed events to take my girls to yeah. over Easter weekend that we've luckily managed to find um but yeah we'll just have to go with the flow yeah oh I'm sure she, I'm sure she'll have an amazing birthday anyway she will it's not that she'll remember it but she will no exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you so much Morgan thank you Erin okay take care bye